Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 394th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that has enough cardboard wisdom for each and every pony. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello everyone, as always, I'm looking forward to diving into all the new stuff that's happened this week. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone that this show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Please sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? Well, we're going to lead off with the two events that happened over the weekend. We're going to talk about a Legacy Challenge and a Modern Challenge. Then we're going to get into the top paper movers of the week, both uh, in paper and online. Then we, you and I have some picks for the week. And finally, we're going to talk about the awesomeness that's coming up in Vegas in terms of merchandise, the event, and also the uh, Ponies Secret Lair, the, the Galloping 2, right? That's what they called it? Yeah, I believe that's the case. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Galloping 2 sequel to the original one from three years ago, four years ago. So they've they've given us the other ponies, and we need to talk about is it worth it for every pony to buy it? <laughs> Indeed. Segment one, metagame week in review. We'll kick things off with a pretty spicy modern challenge ahead of a very spicy legacy challenge. This was on Friday, September 15th. It was taken down by, I'm going to call it Mono Red 7 Blast. I guess it would normally be 8 Blast, but there's only 3 Shrapnel Blast in here alongside 4 Galvanic Blast. This has got to be one of the cheapest and potentially most effective decks that you could show up with in Modern right now. This is... has... It's burn, but from a different angle. This is leveraging very cheap artifacts to leverage late-game Shrapnel Blasts and Galvanic Blasts to take your opponent from, like, 12 to 0 on turn 4, right? Very, very quickly, yes. Four Monastery Swift Spear, a Bomat Courier, four Dragon's Rage Channeler, four Ragavan, and four Voldaren Epicure. Set you up with multiple creatures that can get artifacts in play. You've also got a Chromatic Star, a Spring Leaf Drum, four Mishra's Bauble, a Pyrite Spell Bomb, and four Experimental Synthesizer, which, alongside a Sokens and Crucible of Defiance and Two Light at the Stage, make for a very quick clock indeed. I mean, Synthesizer, when you get to sacrifice it and deal five damage to something and you get a 2-2, it's just so money. Yeah, there's a lot of value here. And again, other than two Scalding Tarn and four Urza Saga, this is a pretty cheap deck. And four Ragavan. Oh yeah, that's true. Although Ragavan's coming down in price as it's getting worse in the format. Well, Bowmasters, this is a Bowmaster world and Ragavan is, you know, living on some borrowed time, but... You're gonna if they don't have the bowmaster, then you're gonna look real good. Also, this has a lot of ways to kill a stupid bowmaster. Also worth flagging that there were three black red scam lists in this top eight, so it's not like the, these ragavans didn't have to face bowmasters along the way. They certainly did in the finals because the second place deck was black red scam. Third place was also scam. Fourth place was Jeskai Breach with three the one ring. Green Tron was in fifth, and I flagged here that they were running four copies of Generous Ent. So we've now seen four of the five colored land cyclers from Lord of the Rings see regular modern play. Yep. And some they're legacy just, play as well. They're just really good, really efficient. Uh, you and I have talked about it. You should think about playing them in your commander lists if you haven't already. The interesting thing in Tron, right, is that you are not going to get a Tri-Land... Your, their mana base is, let's see here. It's a, it's quite the mana base. Oh, I think I've got this wrong though. I think this green Tron list was in the challenge on the Sunday. I believe it was Hardened Scales that was in fifth. 
but still worth flagging the generous sense in the other Tron list. Because then Black Red Scam was in sixth. We had Lotus Field in seventh. And then there was another scam Black again. Red Scam in eighth. Yeah. But I also wanted to flag from the the other top eight for Modern that there was a scape shift, sh- scape shift list in eighth place at that event running four up the beanstalk alongside four time warp four bring delight and four ley line binding. And I'm pretty sure I saw aspiring spike, uh, have to go up against that list, uh, halfway through his run on the weekend. Wait, is up the beanstalk any spell? It's yeah. It's anything that costs five or more. I swear. I thought that was creatures only. Holy biscuits. No wonder everybody's trying to play this stupid card. Yeah. When you oh have my God, when you have, Stuff that naturally costs five in the deck. That's where it gets interesting, right? The time warp. <laughs> time warp right, and time bring warp. delight as four ofs in modern is not something we've seen much lately. How about time warp draw a card? Because time warp wasn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there was four black red scam then in this modern challenge on the Friday. So the the uh, Ragavan list had plenty of Bowmaster action to face. Now, over in this legacy tournament that was on sunday things were even more wild you had blue black control in first and second and virtually identical lists so you got to wonder whether this is a team that was testing together and just ran the gauntlet a brazen borrower three murktide regent four grief four orcish bowmasters four troll of kaza doom and I'm, this is where my call to go after the foil trolls after lorian revealed was started doing well is starting to look more and more on point because if, if they're going to see play in Modern and Legacy, uh, as seems to be the case, then the, those foils are going to drain out. Uh, only question is if you're going to get a reprint of it with better art come November. Yeah, I mean, it's either going to be new a new round of copies in November or you're waiting for the inevitable secret layer, all five of the Lord of the Rings landfinders. Uh, that's, no, that's really tricky because they have license for specific products. Lord of the Rings is not an open-ended license. So that that's why they were talking about keeping the cards in print for... That's right. They're going to be printing it for a while. Yeah. They basically signaled that it would be something like Modern Horizons 2, where like at least a year out and probably possibly two years out, you'll still be able to get your hands on at least draft booster boxes. Borrowers, Regents, Grief, Bowmasters, Trolls, and then 17 instants, including four Brainstorm and a Snuff. Brainstorm, a snuff out, four force of will, two days, three fatal push, one shielded's edict, two Soren's ransom, that's another Lord of the Rings card in there, a Narset parter avails, four reanimate, four ponder, and a Lorian revealed. So note that this is a blue black deck that's going to search up uh, underground seas, and they could have had four Lorian revealed and one troll, but they went four troll, one revealed. Boy, and you've got uh, that's a, that's a strong choice considering Lorian Revealed could go get Mystic Sanctuary as well. Yep, exactly. So this is blue black control first and second. This is not a archetype that even remotely existed in Legacy, to my knowledge. I, I can't remember seeing a blue black control list in Legacy anytime recently. I don't think so either. No, like we blue red many many times. Sure. Rixis here and there, uh, but not blue black. So very, very interesting development. And then the Oops All Spells list from way back <laughs> are back on the menu apparently with uh, three copies of Beseech the Mirror alongside all of their usual nonsense. This, this is a deck that runs literally zero lands. They have four Agadim's Awakening and one turn Timber Symbiosis that technically represent five lands and then they've got chrome boxes and lotus petals and wild cantor and simian spirit guide and elvish spirit guide so that they can do a bunch of shenanigans and with a bridge from below just make a whole bunch of zombie tokens or with balustrade spy or undercity informer they can get to a thassa's oracle it's a pretty wild deck i was looking for the modern version with all the uh the flip lands, you know, yeah. the, the multifunction lands. With but this the full is set just of them, yeah. None of that shenanigan. This is all legacy lo- legacy level stuff. Well, I mean, they, they've got five of them, but they don't have the full 20 that you see in the modern builds. Right. Uh, fourth place here was a sneak and show list, a full complement of sneak attack and show and tell. And the most notable addition here since the advent of Archon of Cruelty in MH2 is the inclusion of three Atraxa Grand Unifier. 
and the only other one threat that they ran as a three of was Emrakul the Eons Torn, so it tells you how powerful Traxa is. Fifth place was Doomsday. Sixth place was a... I'm going to call it Teamer Zoo. This is four Delver, Delver of Secrets, one Brazen Borrower, three Murktide Regent. So a very similar threat package there to previous Blue-Red Delver lists mixed with some of the action from the Blue-Black list at the top. And then you've got three Murktide Regent, four Dragon's Rage Channeler, and four Questing Druid, newly out of Wilds of Eldraine. That's the uh, one one that gets bigger every time you cast a white, blue, black, or red spell, and also has an adventure where called Seek the Beast, where you can exile the top two cards of your library and then play them until the end of your next turn. Importantly, that's an instant, so you can cast it at the end of the other player's turn. Oh, actually, it's not your end of your next turn. It's end of your next end step. So that Until your next end step. But yeah. it's an instant, so you can cast it you know, on an opponent's on their turn. turn. Yeah. Yeah. And then four days, four force of will, four lightning bolt, four brainstorm, four ponder, one chain lightning. I mean, that's zoo, right? That seems like it. The only thing I'm really missing is something fun that does with domain. I'm used to the domain zoo lists, but this is just spicy as can be. I I wonder, like, you, how do you feel when you're a legacy player and they go for the seek the beast on the the instant adventure, and you're just like, oh no, <laughs> do I counter this? Am I going to counter, you know, any of the five spells that are about to unload on me because everything else is super damn cheap? Yeah. So wrapping this up, we have a Titan Lands build, which is 27 lands, four Python Needle, two Expedition Map, four the One Ring, 11 creature threats, including three Primeval Titan, four Elvish Reclaimer, and then four Crop Rotation, four Once Upon a Time, and four Green Sun Zenith. Very, very uh, efficient list at getting nasty, big nasty things on the table. They've also got uh, Th- Thespian Stage and Dark Depths in here. They've got Cloud Posts. They've got Yavimaya Cradle of Growth to give them access to green consistently. They've got two Besaju who endures for some flexibility. And then the eighth place list in this legacy was a Mono Red Moon build with Trinospheres, Blood Moons, and Magus of the Moon. And then four Fury, two Legion War Boss, four Caves of Chaos Adventurer for some initiative action, four Goblin Rabble Master, Chromox's Chalices of the Void, and four Shatter Skull Smashing. That's a that's a legacy deck through and through. I'm gonna hurry up and smash myself into a Blood Moon and watch you writhe in pain. Yeah. Although uh, this the presence of Blood Moon, you do really want to have some of the uh, creature finding lands because that works on colorless. Yeah. All right. So that was the metagame. We'll take a look at the top paper movers of the week, kicking things off with Fourth Aerolingus Extended Arts. We've seen these multiple times ratchet up over the last couple of months since the release of Lord of the Rings. This is an LTC card. The EAs are found in the CBs from the Lord of the Rings set. This is going 26 to 34, 30% gains, mostly on the back of Legacy Play, although we didn't see it in any of the lists we just discussed. Yeah, and there are people who say in Legacy it's worth doing for just the red-white to give all your creatures, whenever this deals damage, you become the Monarch. Fairy Mastermind out of March of the Machine going 8 to $11. That's 38% gains. That's going to be Alela as a blue-black fairy commander landing in the number two spot this week on EDH Rec, plus standard play. Uh, it's in a whole bunch of different decks in standard. And Mastermind's also a very good EDH card that's putting up good stats across the board and doesn't need to be in fairy decks. Uh, I run it in pretty much every blue deck I've got these days. Speaking of it's good, hard to argue with that. Speaking of good blue cards, we've got Ristic Study Anime Borderless Foils. Not the confetti foils, the borderless foils. Same art, no confetti. $160 to $240. People went after them. They're up mid-200s while the confettis are at $325. I got to make you know flag this as a likely sell call, I think. Oh, yeah. That... I'm I'm with you on that. There's these are rare, but no, it's a mythic. No, I I, I should have used a different word. Uh, no, it is a rare car, a rare find, but it's not you know two hundred and forty dollar rare. Or if it is, the, the hype cycle is still going to turn, and as we get closer to the holidays and into you know, there's usually a lull in magic prices from mid late December into mid late January. 
I would imagine these have to float down. All it really takes is five or six people to undercut that price because they're desperate to get rid of the copy they picked up. You know, they, right. they offered somebody a buy list price when this was at 240. They offered 150. They want to unload it at 210. Next person wants to get 200. Next person wants to get 190, et cetera. And if there aren't enough buyers left in the market seeking these out, then it will float lower. Now, that said, it, if there's a chance for something to be like a textured foil jeweled lotus or the original foil extended art jeweled lotus or a borderless foil one ring out of this set, this is probably it because Rhystic Study is an all-time S-tier super staple in blue in the format. And this is a very fancy looking version thereof. They're very hard to pull. You and I have, you know, gone over the, the drop rates on these and they are extreme. So, you know, I, I think the confettis is, is where I would rather be at. But it's possible that, you know, some people might prefer the foil borderless over the confetti. I find the confetti kind of overwhelming and distracting on some of this art uh, and and not as effective as, say, the textured foils were on the Jeweled Lotus from Commander Masters. More to the point, the ratio is just off when it comes to, like, the pricing. And so I would I would agree with 240 being an excellent sell point if the confetti foils are still in the mid-threes. Agreed. Agatha's Soul Cauldron extended art I called as a sell at 40 last week. It has since slid up into the early 50s, so I'm <laughs> all I could do is extend the call. This card definitely <laughs> is modern playable. It's going to show up in multiple decks there. It's going to find homes in EDH. It could find homes in Standard and or Pioneer, but it needs to do very well consistently and hit Shieldred levels to hold a $50 price, price uh, plus price point as a standard Mythic. So yeah, there there will be some combos for it. There's all kinds of stuff if you look it up, and there's some convoluted stuff out there. But for the most part, I would say that we are in a set. The set is only like two weeks old in terms of official purchases. So this is you know a a real good reason to get out on a card if you opened one. Congratulations, sell it off and move on. This is not going to hold this price forever. I've seen black-green Yogmoth running this in Modern. I've seen white-green Heliod running it. It It's being tested in at least three or four other shells. And so the play pattern is is there for it to be a good Mythic. I'm not convinced it's going to be a, you know, grief, solitude-level Mythic where it's, it's yeah. in anything that can run the color, basically. Uh, because it still neat requires specific constraints on deck building to make it worthwhile. Mostly what I've seen from the, the list that it's in is it works as sort of a backup plan. If they've killed one or two of your combo pieces, you still can reassemble the combo from the graveyard with this out. It also has incidental graveyard hate attached to it. Right, which you really cannot overstate in a time when uh, the, we're, we're seeing scam as one of the most popular things to do. So, I mean, if you if you don't believe me on the sell call and you think it's got higher to go, I'm just warning you now. Every dollar that ratchets up is uh, more and more of a reason to let go of your copies. I've, I've sold mine and moved on happily. Court of Garenbrig Extended Arts, on the other hand, are $3. They went to 5 this week. So it's only top 10 on EDH Rec so far in terms of the um, Wilds of Eldraine Commander cards. Frankly, I think this card is much better in general in the EDH than, say, Soul Cauldron is. It yes. gives you the Monarch on three mana. There's a whole bunch of Counters Matters deck decks that can make good use of it beyond that. And But even just a deck that can is aggressive, that can leverage Trample or extra attack phases or you know a core focus on creatures getting into the red zone is going to be able to make use of, of Court. So... Uh, great card. Not super surprised to see early motion on it. Curious where it will land in 6, 12, 18 months. I mean, it's probably going to come down a little bit, but not too much, because especially that we're talking about the extended arts, which are only in the commander bo collector booster. So this one probably won't go down too much more. $3 does feel a little low for it. But we'll uh, we'll see where it ends up, because we have a lot of this left to open, and especially if we have these cards that are still staying super expensive then we're going to see a lot of this product get opened immediately. Blur Sliver Foil Extended Arts. This is a secret layer include from last year. Foil is going 45 to 75. 
not hard for these to dry up if they were some of the rarer ones. We've seen it on multiple other slivers in a similar boat as we moved towards the sliver decks getting built this summer on the back of the Sliver King? No. No, the, the Sliver Grave Mother and the other new sliver. People Just thought all it was the new gonna, sliver tools. Yeah, people yeah. thought it was going to be a king, but it wasn't. Uh, we've got Treebeard Gracious Hosts out of Lord of the Rings, $3 to $6. That's a double up on the back of Bernard, the new food commander in uh, Bant Colors, joining Sam and Frodo Food and a few other food-related commanders uh, providing demand for various food cards that have been presented over the course of really just three sets or so um, right. have, have had mo- the bulk of these cards. We've also got Virtue of Persistence at a Wild of Eldraine, $5.50 to $11. That's 100% gains. Widespread standard play is the culprit there. I, I looked up the top list and standard right now, and pretty much almost everything was running black, and almost everything was running Virtue of Persistence. And this is a mythic whose front side on the you know the adventure side gives minus three, minus three. So uh, imagine where... You're and f- two life. Yeah, when you're, where, where you're in a format where you need to be able to handle aggro early, and for instance, you're running Esper Control, by way of example, and your kill spell isn't a common or an uncommon, it's a mythic. <laughs> so It's also, you know, what every uh, control deck wants is that your early kill spell is also your win condition in the end. Yeah. And so they don't they don't have to do anything else. I squeezed it into Maldrotha this weekend and was pleased with the play pattern because it, it deals with yeah. something early and then late game it just starts... It's a backup Maldrotha, essentially. Yeah, you just always want... There's, there's never a shortage of targets for this in Commander or in Standard. There's always something you can kill and, you know, it's just two mana and it's an instant and you gain two... Like, this is just so good... <laughs> It's kind of it's like a ridiculous. black time walk and with upside. Yeah. yeah Kill a creature game two that. is really good against aggro. Uh, Feasting Hobbit extended art, three to six dollars. This is going to be Bernard driving this, but Sam and Frodo decks also run this card. It basically, I think, devours three. So when it eats a food, it, it, it comes in as a five, five instead of a two, two. And if it eats two foods, it's an eight, eight, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, we, I love that there. there's only one card in all of Magic that says devour food, and this is <laughs> that bad boy. Questing Druid out of Wilds of Eldraine, going $1 to $3 on the back of standard, modern, legacy play. You know, we just saw it top eight in legacy, so not super surprising to go see $1 to $3, even though the legacy community is pro- has probably been uh, up against a glass ceiling for several years now. Also got Nesting Dovehawk extended arts out of... Uh, MOCs four dollars to twelve dollars. That's going to be Brainard pushing that as well, since you get to uh, populate uh, creature tokens at the start of your turn. If I'm not mistaken, with the Dovehawk, right? And then biggest gainer of the week, Astarion, the decadent foil etched out of Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. Uh, the command uh, collector boosters going a dollar to five dollars. I have a feeling there's more more to be gained there, as we'll talk about shortly. That's a major character from Baldur's Gate 3, who is very popular. The game is extremely popular and likely to go down in history as one of the most beloved games of all time. And as a result, people are reaching out to their local game stores and snapping off copies of their favorite characters. You know, there's much worse reasons to play Magic than you have found a crossover that you like, and I'm just... You know, I'm impressed to see the number of crossovers that are that are working that have just spiked randomly because they were good in a video game. I'm presuming Astarion is good in the video game. He's one of the core like companions that you play with through. You don't have to play with him, you because you can, you have a choice of like leaving people behind in your camp, but a lot of people okay. choose to play with him because he's a a vampire, uh, elf thief, like a rogue vampire. So he he gets to bite people and stuff mid combat. It's pretty fun. That does sound fun. Cards, top Magic Online movers of the week. We got Gris the Hunger Tide Borderless out of MH2 promos that are probably treasure chest only. 7.24 ticks to 10.31. Probably the Black Green Yawgmoth inclusions uh, that are testing out the Soul Cauldron that uh, are wanting to run Gris because it counts as an insect when it's not in play. Leyline right. Binding Extended Art out of Dominaria United. Collector boosters, 13.77 ticks to 20.61. That's probably all the beanstalk lists 
that are wanting four copies of Leyline binding, uh, four color because Omnath it's and so forth. Yeah, I mean, because you it exile something for the one. Cost. It's like a source of plowshares with no downside that draws a card. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what it comes down to in these in these crazy ass lists. Which is nasty. Needle Verge Pathway out of ZNR, 1.61 ticks to 2.93. That's a Boros Pioneer list that's driving most of that, I think. 82% gains there. Moving on over to the cards to watch. I'm going to put Astarion, the Decadent Foil Etched, at the top of my list, despite the people that got in at a dollar already being up to five. Very nice on-paper ROI return there. But the reality is there's probably more to go. Like I think that the, the Baldur's Gate game has enough staying power that people are not just buying these to play. Like It's not just about crossover pulling people into magic and then building Astarion decks. People are just buying them because it's one of the the few collectibles that are out there with his name on it. Like okay. so There was a pro trader in our Discord today that was talking about somebody came into his store, wanted this, and Astarion's... There's another card where Astarion bites or something. There's like some... I think it's a black card that represents him biting somebody. And they just bought a copy of each because they said, quote unquote, Asterion's my boyfriend. Sure. I mean, how many how many people were doing something like, you know, they wanted Alesh Norn to complete them. Please, please complete me. And the thing is, I somebody said I had talked about this when the when the set came out, but I don't remember at all. Uh, and in fact, looking at the cards text today, it was like a brand new card to me. It's basically a four, four for six. And if you. At the end of your turn, you get to choose whether an opponent loses life equal to what they already lost that turn, or you gain life equal to the life you've already gained that turn. So you double the gain, or you double uh, what somebody lost? And because Astarion has Death Touch and Lifelink, it's fairly easy to force through some life gain and some damage, and then have an easy choice between the two, depending on what other triggers you're trying to activate in something like Aloro. And we're down to 22 listings. There are still $5 copies available. They've been pushed up from one to five. So the people that grab them at one have taken a break because they, they want to get their copies in and then flip them at, at you know, that higher price. But with only right. 22 listings and no particularly deep walls, I could easily see this chasing Carlax uh, extended art foils and ending up in the 15 to $20 range when all is said and done. That seems perfectly reasonable to me i've heaven knows i've speculated on cards for much less than they are currently popular in a very popular game so i can see this you know going that distance plus we've already seen it make a, a big jump now and was this a rare or a mythic in ball in commander legends Baldur's gate it's a rare it's a rare okay and you're picking the regular foils foil no, etched. The, the etched the etched yeah that seems completely fine uh, you're going to be able to find your copies. And again, people are looking to move out what they bought at a dollar. And uh, there is probably still meat on this bone. I would agree with you on that. It's in 9,000 decks since, since since it was released. You see it alongside commanders like Edgar Charmed Groom, Varrock Warped St. Gear, Lichia Sanguine Tribune, so in a bunch of the vampire decks. Bilbo yeah. Birthday Celebrant, it makes sense. Obzadat, Aloro, Cambal, Lisa, etc. Plenty of good commanders in in the list that would want an Asterion. So, and this is the kind of card where I don't see them reprinting this anytime soon. Like Wizards this does seem like a tough reprint. Wizards owns D and D, so there's not there isn't the licensing issue there that you would you would have with something else. But the the D and D cards are probably pretty high on on or pretty low on the list of potential reprints just in general. Well, I wouldn't put it past them to do in you know sometime early next year's so like the monster manual version of the Baldur's gate legends because the people who love the, Mo the monster manual really love that stuff but for now this seems uh completely legit and but we already have those there's a showcase version of these as well oh is there oh yeah well then that's right then no you're golden this this should be great now i i think you're right though be because Baldur's gate 3 is has been so popular and they didn't do a secret lazy secret layer release alongside it it wouldn't surprise me that they would group together the characters from the game and reprint them that could happen sure that, that that's a smart secret layer like whether they pick up that baton and run with it is anybody's guess but that's what i would do because you already know they don't listen to us james like don't don't worry about that that's the kind of thing <laughs> i would i would rush to print 
given the current situation. But in the absence of that, I think that these going 5 to 15 is entirely reasonable. I may as well follow through on the thought with my other pick. Carlac Fury of Avernus Showcase is a mythic, not a rare. And the foils of that are sitting at about $10. And they have been drained down as well. We're down to about 23 listings there. And unlike a lot, like the, if you look at the Asterion Showcase art, it's very kind of genteel and prim and doesn't really reflect the nastiness of the character in the game. Whereas the Carlac showcase is pretty sweet. You know, she's got, she's got this huge war hammer over her head. She's about to swing it out, swing out and knock somebody's head right off their shoulders. So there's something like 10 to 12 copies left in the 10 to $12 range on TCG player for those foils. The red foils of these showcases actually look really good. Uh, for nobody, if you haven't held them in your hand. And this is actually an entirely playable card. It's a 5-4 for 5 Tiefling Barbarian. Uh, whenever you attack, if it's the first combat phase of the turn, you untap all attacking creatures. They gain first strike until end of turn. And after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. So Yeah, that's something a, a lot of decks like to play around with extra combat phases. Not all of them are as glorious as Aurelia, but this is uh, arguably better because she it's a lot less mana. Well, the other thing is she doesn't need to be attacking for to get a trigger. It's whenever you attack. Oh, that's also true. So you can have a bunch of attackers set up. You play a Carlac into that situation, and everything on your board is attacking first strike, and then attacking again. <laughs> and if and if you can get haste on her with a lightning greaves or something, she gets to participate. She's only been built as a commander like forty-seven times on EDH Rec, and she's only in two thousand decks total. But that's probably wrong. Like, I think people are overlooking the card in general because that's a very handy, though often repeated, ability in red. I mean, there's a, a lot of ways to get an extra combat step, but not all of them are as basic as play a five drop and attack. Yeah. Like, a lot of them are a lot more uh, hoops you need to jump through. Morag requires a landfall trigger. Aurelia needs a ton of mana. Aggravated Assault needs three mana and then t- five mana. So... I'm I'm with you on both of these, especially uh, short term. Like these are the premium, the the good versions, and I think these you know these have some some room to grow. And let's capitalize on the hype. You know, these these are rising, so clearly people are into the Baldur's Gate crossover. It just took a while. Excuse me, it didn't take a while for it to happen. It took a new good video game for it to happen. Can I just point out, since I have this in front of me. Surge Foil Yavamaya, Fanghorn Forest, that we talked about is likely to take off, was as low as $100 in mid-August. The cheapest, right. There are six listings left TCG player, one at 200 but that's a 0% salesperson, so it could be a scam. Lowest reputable seller is 280 then 350 then 400 then 450 then 700 Yeah, that, that sounds uh, depressingly accurate. So... Fanghorn Surge Foils purchased three months ago were good for a triple up within three months. That's going to look real good on your uh, your end of the year uh, spreadsheet. I, I don't think, I, I think I talked about it as an alternate, but I don't think it was one of my picks. I'd have to go back and double check. I, I, I could swear you talked about uh, Yafamaya uh, Cradle of Growth as a, as a Surge Foil pick. Tell us about your picks and I will go back and double check that. Okay, <clears throat> I have two uh, two sweet picks this week. First of all, I think I've I know I picked a foil retro frame uh, Dominary remastered land a while ago. I told people to buy Sulphur Falls. Uh, I am back on that train with Isolated Chapel. It's down to four bucks, and we are seeing the non foil version. It's gone up about a dollar in the last month. So this is going to be one of your last chance to get in on that cheap. But the caveat here is that there will be another spi- uh, special version coming out when Innistrad Remastered hits in early 2025. So you have a real clear timeline on this. You need to buy it, and it needs to go up, and it, then you need to resell it before that remastered version hits. Now, you know, Isolated Chapel hasn't had a lot of printings, and it is as cheap as the pack foil. Uh, version is but this one is retro it's the only spicy version and this feels like something that uh 
quite well would go four dollars to say ten dollars in the next 12 months and you can sell out before we get to Innistrad Remastered. And then do you want me to talk my, my other one while you're researching? Go for it. All right. The other one is uh, our uh, it, we should have a, a name for the 40k surge foil of the week, but uh, Nurgle's Rot out of the 40k decks in surge foil is available as low as two bucks in uh, Europe. But right now there's only 12 vendors on TCG player and you can get this for a lot less than it's available on TCG player if you have the card market European connection. Uh, this is one of the top cards with one of the top commanders of the week, Arietta the Charmed Apple. It keeps recurring itself. You get tokens. You get Ariette's effect. It's just everything you want. And considering how cheap, like, some copies are on card market for under a dollar in, in Surge Foil on uh, card market when I looked earlier. So now if you can get your copies uh, from across the ocean and then get them over here and sell them for a delightful 500-600% markup, I think you'll be in business. Right now, Nurgle's Rot, had, it had 12 vendors, and the cheapest near mint is $6 plus 50 cents shipping. So you're looking at $6.50 for a card that is currently listed in Surge Foil. For, there are people in Germany who are selling it for 0.4 euro. So that's a, that's a pretty amazing arbitrage if you can get it cheap across the ocean and then get your copies back over here as per usual on card market you do need to factor in the shipping uh, right and potential border fees depending on where you're shipping it to nurgle's rot is in 63 percent of all ariette decks and ariette is the number one commander of the week 900 decks reported on edh rec alela in second at 754 rowan scion of war at 600 hilda of the icy crown in fourth and Atraxa in fifth because she is indefatigable uh then we have Imodane and Bernard in sixth and seventh Ur-Dragon in eighth Frodo in ninth and Giada in tenth likely on the back of the uh angel secret layer angel deck, deck. yeah but I'm impressed with Wilds of Eldrain. like anybody who's down down talked this this set I mean this is the second third fourth uh sixth and seventh commander no, for first, second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh of ten commanders, all coming from that set. I don't think any other set this year has taken over the top ten that quickly, or that completely. That's a good question. I I need to do. I'm not sure if we could even research how easy that would be to do. We'd have to get in touch with some of the EDH rec folks and see what they could tell us. But it would be really interesting to know how this compares to other sets because i imagine there's always a brand new card effect going on but this many different new cards i don't know that, that does seem unlikely so nurgle's rot is only an uncommon but that doesn't matter in the context of the 40k premium decks because they right. only have a single copy of any card so whether it's a mythic rare or uncommon is utterly irrelevant uh they there's the same number of all of those because there is no crossover i don't believe between any of the new cards between the four decks Think, that is correct. I think that's correct. So Yeah, Nurgle's Rot is only in the, the one deck. Surge foils have been targeted repeatedly. This is a important include in the top commander of the month, probably. And so, yeah, I think this one's pretty solid as long as you can get the turnaround uh, in time to catch the area at hype cycle. I was going to say that uh, even if you wanted to uh, go for it here in the States, there are almost no copies anywhere you can find. So if you can find some in the 5 to 7 range, that's probably going to look pretty good in a couple of weeks too. Isolated Chapel retrofoils, I'm not so sure about. There's quite a few of them left on TCG Player. And I'm not worried about further reprints. I'm worried that this card is just not in particularly high demand and nobody's going to be running out to grab a uh, a semi-fancy version of it. That said, it is in 162,000 EDH decks, but I think part of that is because it's shown up in a bunch of pre-cons, right? Sure, it's been in pre-cons. Even still, that's 23% of all black-white decks built on and reported on that site, and there are, you know, tons of commanders from Salmon Frodo to Ariette, Karlov, Ravos, Timna, Teza, etc., that want all the white-black lands. Um... I think it's a really good pickup as a 
you know, a cheap add to a deck that's going to look good, three or four bucks for a nice, uh, nice Retro version of a dual yeah. land. But I think in terms of potential gains, I think Karlak, Astarion, and, and the Rot are, are likely to trump. All right, I'll give you that. All right, topic of the week. We're going to go over some of the merchandise that has been revealed for the forthcoming GP Vegas. One of the things that went down at MagicCon, I guess it's not GP, it's MagicCon Vegas. Uh, MagicCon Philadelphia from this past winter included a bunch of Phyrexia-themed merchandise that tends to go for pretty solid gains on eBay and Facebook. I think there's a Phyrexian ball cap and a Phyrexian baseball jersey in particular that did very well. There have also been con-specific promo cards given out on the floors. There have been uh, secret layers that were specific to cons uh, that have done well as well. So it's definitely worth taking a look to see how many of the offerings that are unique to the conferences are likely to be winners. In particular, I'm looking at the, taking a pretty close look here at the clothing offerings to see if there's anything like the Phyrexian baseball jersey. And the most obvious analogs this time around are a Magicon hockey jersey that has a big Magic logo on the front and Magicon number 23, as in 2023, on the back, also a very popular number uh, since some big players have worn that number. And then there's also a Magicon bomber jacket for $120 that looks pretty solid and a bright blue corduroy hat with the old expert level badge on it that I figure will be pretty popular on the floor. I mean, the expert one is the one that immediately jumped out at me because if you've been playing long enough, you remember that there were uh, three levels and there's not a magic player alive who's like going to put on the one that says uh, beginner or advanced. They're going to put on the expert one. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how I feel about a corduroy hat. I wouldn't want to really take off the hat and have myself a, uh, you know, a whole bumpy head thing going on. But this looks real solid, and I... I would imagine if this hat's built properly, there's no corduroy on the interior. Let's hope so. But go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, the hat is really neat, and you flagged these uh, two uh, pieces of upper apparel, and then... There's a lot of cool t-shirts, but we, uh, James and I were talking before the cast about what has grown, and t-shirts don't tend to be it. Uh, there's also the Vegas bowling shirt, which has a pretty neat uh, ensemble on the back, and so if you wanted to get in on that one too, I would agree with that. What do you, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you about picking it up at the con, like what you think the lines are going to be, but anything else you wanted to mention in terms of the apparel? Lines are going to be busy. They, they are... This is probably the biggest Magic Con of the year, given that it's Vegas. Uh, the people that have Black Lotus passes are going to get paid off here because they're going to get to go to do the relevant booths for a full hour before everybody else, and and that's the win. <laughs> that that's that, how you that's, make sure that's you paying for everything. Yeah, yeah. I think Black Lotus. If you're going to go to something like this, the Black Lotus pass almost always pays for itself. You, there's always some interesting event you're invited to, or you get some. They got thirtieth packs, I think, at one of the conferences in the winter. It might have been Philly and or it was the one in the fall and you know access to some of the stuff that it might be good for 30 to 75 percent gains you know the, the hockey jersey if it sells out at 80 dollars, could easily be 150 plus on ebay the bomber jacket at 120 i could see going for 180 to 220 after the fact the corduroy hat could end up somewhere between 45 and 70 and it, it really just boils down to how many they make and, and whether they sell out or not Um, and also, you know, how many units vendors take on and how long it takes them for the, for them to sell out at their, you know, desired level on eBay. There's also, uh, unique pins. I noticed that there is a fatal push playmat, a Jason mind sculptor playmat that, that might do reasonably well. The Magicon 2023 deck box doesn't seem like a big deal to me. The Las Vegas 2023 playmat that has Eldraine key art with Ashiok on one side and Ariad on the other might be more popular than it would normally be given that Ariad is so popular right now. There's a skateboard deck that has Black Lotus art on it, but it's not Black Lotus art that most people would be familiar with. I think it is an outline of a Christopher Rush Black Lotus art, if I'm not mistaken. 
I think that's correct, yes. Uh, but this is $250 for a skateboard deck. That's, like, for, I have a absolutely stunning Dungeons & Dragons uh, Hydro 74 etched skateboard deck that costs less than that. <laughs> and and that is a world-class collectible. This looks cool. And at 100 I definitely would have bought one. But at 250 mm, don't think so. That that could be a no-name Chinese brand that can't even be ridden well. In which case, <laughs> you know, most other people are just gonna hang them on the wall anyway. But I was gonna say, like, if I buy a deck for two fifty, the last thing I'm gonna do is go get that bad boy dirty. Yeah, I, I just two fifty is too much. Like, you can get a really nice piece of like a sketch or something from a magic artist for two fifty. So, I, I think that's a miss. The pins, you know, there's definitely a pin culture amongst the people that bring bags to the cons and put pins that are specific to each con on them. I've largely stayed out of that. The other thing that's really interesting here is that there is the uh, Dan Fraser secret layer that is supposedly specific to the con, but it only seems to be being sold online as part of the big bundle where they want you to take on some other product as well. The festival in a box? Yeah, I don't see the Dan Fraser thing listed on the merch images as being available individually now that's good and it's bad depending on what your angle is if you were trying to leverage your black lotus pass to go get a bunch of them early and the only way to buy them individually was ends up being at the con that's going to be a huge win right if if the only way to get it is buying the whole bundle online and the bundle doesn't sell well then the singles from that secret layer and the secret layer itself which is presumably individually packaged could be could be a sky high gainer that could be a double up real easily if you can't get them anywhere else and a lot of people pass on taking on the extra you know dead weight because i think that's like a, a mystery booster box you have to buy alongside which is fine you can unload that but it doesn't have like super high velocity and the focal point yeah, on those have to... is is significantly back down the road yeah, you really have to aggressively price that down, and that's a, a lot of shipping you got to pay on those boxes too. So you've got to really, if it turns out that the only place to get this is in the festival in a box, then it's going to be something where people were willing to take that on, and you're going to see a flood of mystery booster boxes hitting the market. If there is availability for this thing outside of the, like at the fest at the the Magic Con then we're looking at something else entirely where, like you said, people are going to stock up and it's going to be very, very... Uh, you're going to see the markups, you know, right away. The first day, people are going to have these available on eBay and they'll they'll want quite the premium on that. They're also selling the Commander Masters Commander decks on site, but I note that the they want 50 for... The, the two lesser decks, and then for Zuladoc and the Sliver deck, they want a hundred apiece, which is basically Oof. matching uh, Sliver Swarm. Is basically matching TCG Player. I don't like that. <laughs> if if you're selling direct through the con, yeah, you should be selling a retail. And if you sell out, so be it. But let that be one of the upsides: is that people don't have to pay yeah. current retail on a product from two months ago just because. You know, in market, it's worth more. Now they also know that it's going to bring vendors and speculators by the by the bajillion to clean them out if they do that. But you can handle that with with limits. Like you can you can have a sticker you put on people's passes when they purchase, and they only get to buy one or two or whatever, and uh, and then let the cards fall where they where they may. I I don't I don't see why they're they're doing the markup there. They've they don't like the secondary market. They accept it. They use it. But now they're just like, well, we can't get this, so we're going to. They, they do have the, the upcoming secret layers, Magic the Baseballing, now on VHS, and Keep Partying, Hard Shred Harder, uh, available on site. So if you just wanted to get one or two of those and you want to snap them off without having to worry about shipping costs, that could be handy. Yeah, skipping the shipping's good. Depending on where you're at, this is also, uh, like for me, I'm in California, so my tax rate is actually higher than Nevada's. 
So there would be, uh, this would be a little bit cheaper. Not hugely cheaper, but, you know, you save a few percent here and there, and now you're talking real money. Wizard of Barge, uh, absolutely amazing artist that has done some magic cards, including the promo Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, has announced that they're going to have some officially licensed merch at their booth. And it's possible that alongside the Brain Dead booth, uh, another hipster clothing company that's done a bunch of magic collabs in the last couple of years, those could be the places to head if you got early access to go snap off whatever the sexiest things end up being at those booths. Uh, Wizard of Barge is the quality and style of artists that I am absolutely likely to rock at the skate park, for instance. So hoping that, you know, Sloan or somebody else on the floor is going to be able to snap something off for me there. Well, the other thing about this is that they said on Twitter that uh, the online release will possibly be the following weekend or the first Thursday of October. So there might well be a window for you to get something, you know, especially if you got the Black Lotus Pass, get your stuff early, get it sold online, and lock in your profits while you can. This is, like we said, one of the ways that a Black Lotus Pass really pays for itself. Yeah, if there's if they bring like 200 of each shirt or something to Wizard of Barge booth and they sell out, and then they put another 500 or 1,000 up for sale 10 days later, then you've got a window of opportunity there. It's also possible that they bring 400 shirts to the con and they can only muster 100 for a follow-up online sale. So a lot of this depends on numbers you're not going to have access to except in the rearview mirror. But the the thing about the, the barge stuff is if I get, quote-unquote, stuck with it and I can't flip it, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just cool. Same, same, same issue is it like Brain Dead had a thing where you could buy. I think it was a hundred dollars in gear, or two hundred dollars in gear, or something, and you got the Diabolic Tutor with the unique art. I mean, I flipped that right. that card for a hundred dollars, so I, it's like getting fifty percent off the clothes or whatever it was. And yeah, they, there could be an opportunity of, of a similar nature here. Uh, I agree with you on that. Other big announcement, as we mentioned earlier, is the Ponies the Galloping 2. It's the Extra Life 2023 uh, secret layer release that benefits the Seattle Children's Hospital and Autism Center. It's got four major My Little Pony characters, which is another brand that Hasbro fully controls. Applejack, Fluttershy, Pinkie Pie, and Rainbow Dash now join the previous Ponies the Galloping, which was, I think, released out of Hascon. And I want to say that that was either in 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2019. I think one of the posts I saw said four years ago. So I'm pretty sure it's 2019. So that one, was. I think I got four of those and they were a double up. Now, whether or not this ends up a double up depends on how much pe- how many people snap it off. One of the nice things here is it will turn off a significant portion of the magic community because they just don't get, give a shit about My Little Pony. But for any of the moms and dads out there that are Magic players whose kids are into My Little Pony, it'll be an auto-buy. It's resale value, given how much pony lovers love their ponies, is all but assured based on the original. And the only question then is how many copies end up in circulation compared to the original. So the original was convention exclusive, correct? It wasn't available widely online? Correct. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think you could get it on Hasbro Pulse or something. One right, of the... as uh, the leftovers from the con. Yeah. But it was very time-constrained. It was very location-constrained. There were a lot of things making the previous set, which had, I'm doing off the top of my head, had Princess Twilight Sparkle, Rarity, and Luna in some form, if I believe. That is correct. So, uh, you know, these, I think there's a, big difference between that distribution model and a secret layer that's available for like another 40 days sorry is it 40 or 50 days it's a ton of days uh the ponies is available for another 49 days the thing is i i don't really worry about 49 day like whether it's 30 days or 60 doesn't mean anything to me because i think nobody buys things in the middle typically people like buy early on if they think they can get it early like, if a secret layer will ship next week, but then up past 10,000 units, they, they go back to the press, and those people get it a month later. Our pro traders have frequently tried to order right away on the good stuff so that they get early pricing on the singles when they crack and sell. Otherwise, you're holding for a 6, 12, 18-plus month 
term, which everybody would rather avoid if they can. And the, but the only way I care about time boxing secret layers is if it's only available for like a weekend or something. Like do something on July long weekend where everybody's going to miss it. You got me real fired up (laughs) because they'll miss it. So you're going to catch people unawares and they're going to have to buy at aftermarket prices. Something like this, they're going to leave it open for a long time. It's heading into the holiday season. You know, it's going to be just about November well, when this wraps up. The I, I think people will forget about this in the flurry of Doctor Who and Ixalan and the Lord of the Rings re-release. And I suspect there will be money to be made here. And even if it's only plus 25 to 50%, I would be satisfied. And if I'm looking at the galloping box set, the original, a copy changed hands at 350 today and another one at 400. There's only eight listings left and they're going for 420 plus. Some of the pro traders were talking about taking them on at 250, which seemed like very ambitious to me, but maybe they're going to do just fine there. It looks like it. And this is before uh, they have anybody has these extra ponies in hand. Like the new ponies are going to be out in March, of all things. Yeah, that's that's the thing, is you don't get them for a long while. Um, so your, your, your money is going to be tied up for a solid four months here, minimum. Now, I, I will say that the first thing I thought when I saw this is uh, the, the bonus card for this had better be Spike, and I am very likely... To put stupid spike into my dragon deck so i just double checked the I, I was thinking that the original ponies the ga- galloping price was like 80 or 100 dollars. it was 50 yeah no it was it was so crazy cheap 50 to 400 you in could four get years it. i would do that all day every day <laughs> yeah but again it was you know the the convention exclusive it was the hasbro pulse you know hasbro's sites have not held up well when things have been highly sought after i i don't so, i don't recall how fast it sold out online i don't think it was immediate like i don't think it was like this big rush to the door or anything and and i know that for the first 12 to 18 months after that release they were no big deal they were up like 20 30 bucks right. and and i started selling mine maybe two years out and finished selling maybe a year ago yeah that that sounds like it tracks i mean you were getting uh, a double up back and you you got in you got out and you're ready to move on it, it, lo- it looks we... like they will let you order up to 60 of these holy biscuits 60 copies of this no man i'm i'm i might get a copy or two for myself but if vendors can get in at 60 copies i'm not i'm gonna have a hard time like seeing how this does well yeah but are vendors gonna commit that much money I think that there are probably enough vendors and other speculators who are going to buy enough of this to to keep it going. Uh, I think this, I will say that I think this is one of those cases where foil versus non-foil is a no-brainer. People that are buying these are not buying them to play in tournaments. These are silver-boarded cards, so foil may well be where it's at. It's And ultimately, it will probably depend, as it often does with Secret Layers, about which of the two sells better if the foils sell very well then the non-foils will will sell out faster in the long term as singles in which case they could do better than foils on our roi basis but a lot of this is you 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 have to data mine the secret layer website to get a sense of how that's going i would imagine that you are correct that the foils will outsell the non-foils by a healthy margin and so we will probably see greater appreciation on the non-foils quick, at least, you know, faster than we will the foil copies. Alrighty. I think that is pretty much a wrap for this week. Where can folks find you online, my friend? You can find me online at Twitter at Word of Commander or my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. And you folks can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. 
Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed products, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Ooh, I, I was wondering what we would talk about today, James, and then they dropped a bunch of news on us. We'll see what they do for next week. As they tend to do, we will... Thank you, Cliff, and thank all of you for listening, and we'll see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.